Moncrief on News Talk. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again to bring us news from other parts of the world. Jonathan, good Sean, afternoon you to you. Uh, right, Uganda, we're going to go to uh, next. These kind of stories pop up every now and again. Mm. A 70 year old woman has given birth to twins. Safina Namukwea, a 70-year-old woman, as you said, has given birth to twins, a boy and a girl, via cesarean in the capital, Kampala. It happened uh, last week, um, and as you can imagine, lots of news wires have been covering this because it is quite an extraordinary story. I mean, she is not the oldest woman in the world to have given birth to twins, right? That uh, happened back in 2019 when a 73-year-old Indian woman gave birth uh, to twins also following IVF treatment, but she is the oldest woman to do this in Africa, it should be mm. said, right? Now, she herself has called it a miracle and the hospital congratulated her saying that it, is, it was more than a medical success and it was about the strength and resilience of the human spirit. And indeed, in her interview that she did with local media, she went on to say, you know, that she had often throughout her life looked after other people's children and people had mocked her for not having children and she didn't know would she have anybody to look after in her in her older years. And eventually she gave birth to her first child three years ago. Oh, so this wow. this, this is not her, her, yeah. her, these are not her first children. Um, so she now has three and she's 70 years of age. Um, so there you are. <laughs> yeah, and she, but, but she did have a partner as I understand. She did and uh, he seems to have scarpered. Um, it, it looks as if he's uh, somewhat freaked out at the idea of her having twins. Uh, and he hasn't come to visit her uh, in the hospital as of yet. Now, whether they've been reunited in the last couple of days or not, I don't know. And what's interesting about this is that there is, depending on what part of Uganda you're, you're, you're in, and mm. I'm, I'm not sure it might affect her as much, but there is a little bit in certain parts of superstition around twins. In some areas yeah, they are right, cursed yeah. or they're seen as a curse and in other areas they're seen as bringing good luck. Um, for this man, obviously, uh, it's just a case of of not wanting to be there at at the moment anyway. Um, but hopefully the uh, publicity around him uh, leaving her and abandoning her uh, will will shake him into action because yeah. he he needs to be around. <laughs> wow! Yeah, uh, I wonder how old Lee he is. As well. I don't know. That yeah. that is a good question. Um, but um, but I mean, it's it's it struck me that you know it happened in a country where where the birth rate is is four point four children per woman right it's yeah. one of the highest yeah. birth rates in the world and and uh you know, I don't know whether it's morally right or wrong. We'll be up to others to decide, of course, but uh, that's that's what's happened. Yeah. Right. Uh, Germany, we're going to go to now uh, where a court has sentenced a Gambian man to life in prison. Yeah, this is a man by the name of Babu Kar Lowe. He's a 47-year-old uh, who arrived in Germany approximately 10 years ago, right? And he sought refugee status. He was originally from the Gambia. And uh, he had a very close relationship with one of our favourite uh, despots on this particular slot, uh, on this particular slot, Yaya Jame, uh, mm-hmm. who, of course, was kicked out of power or left power in uh, approximately 2017, right, when he lost an election. Now, at that stage, he had been in power for 22 years. And you remember Yaya Jame was an awful character altogether, yeah. although he was pretty good on women's rights and wasn't a fan of um, of child marriage and that kind of thing, at least not for other people. Yeah. 
Uh, but he was terrible um, to the LGBT community. Uh, he was responsible for various different massacres. He had a witch hunt, you might remember, in 2009. And of course, he at the same time found the cure for AIDS and asthma through his own herbal remedies. Yeah. So he, he was a nut job. And um, he had a crew that were called or, was, or were known as the junglers. And this guy, Babaku Lo, was convicted and sentenced to life in prison for being a driver for that particular crew, right? So he'd obviously gone to Germany. Somehow he had been identified there, uh, was picked up, I think, last year or the year before, went on trial. And under this idea of universal jurisdiction, which the Germans are using quite a lot lately, I remember we reported on something similar applying to a former Syrian um, who was living in Germany. Mm. Uh, he's been sentenced to life in prison, as I, as, as I said. Yeah. Uh, and so presumably gathering um, evidence for a trial like this must be tricky because most of it must come from the Gambia. It, it was, except in this case, he seems to have incriminated himself. He apparently gave an interview back in 2013 to uh, at some sort of station, US-run station called Freedom Radio, mm-hmm. which was an oppositional radio stra- station Excuse me, in the Gambia. And during that, it seems that he actually boasted about being a member of the junglers. Now, later on, he retracted the whole the whole interview yeah. and said, oh, look, I was basing that on people that I met and people that I knew wasn't actually me. Uh, but <laughs> nobody was taking it. Certainly the prosecution were taking it. And it appears that the court who's, who's passed that life sentence weren't taking it either. So he'll yeah. be in the slammer for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, are there any other members of this group in Germany or any hints that not, they might be? Not that we know of yeah. at the moment. So the, the, the great thing about this particular case is that, and this has been why it's been lauded uh, by organisations like Human Rights Watch, is, is it's the first to tackle human rights violations uh, committed uh, during Ga- uh, Jamais Reim in, in international yeah. courts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting development. Yeah. Uh, right, uh, the Netherlands we're going to go to where they're uh, giving <laughs> they're giving Dutch gold to Ukraine, but they're giving gold to Ukraine, actual gold. You, you couldn't resist. Not cans of beer, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, give, tell us what this row was about anyway, yeah, initially. Yeah, absolutely. So it's about 400 uh, cultural um, treasures, right? So these were artefacts which were various different treasures that were given from four museums in Crimea to a show in a museum in Amsterdam, like okay. lots of museums do. They were lent over to them for the period of this particular thing. So the show, the exhibition was at the Allard Pearson Museum, which is in Amsterdam. It was called Crimea, Gold and Secrets of the Black Sea. All right. So that was fine. Uh, the problem was that these artefacts were loaned out prior to the annexation of Crimea by Russia in 2014. Ah. And so therefore, when they had to go back to the Crimea, uh, the Dutch were a little bit reticent about, you know, following through on the contract. Mm. Now, obviously, the four museums in Crimea said, well, look, you have to give them back to us regardless of who our overlords are or whatever you want to call them. Um, But they said, no, we're going to look into this. And of course, the Ukrainians got involved as well. So in the end, it went to the Supreme Court in Uh, June of this year and the Supreme Court in the Netherlands decided to give it back to the Ukraine and it's gone back to a museum in in, in Kiev instead. Okay, so it hasn't gone back to Crimea. No, it hasn't gone back to Crimea, no. Right, okay. And presumably the Russians aren't aren't too pleased. No, the Russians aren't happy at all. Uh, They're saying very pointedly that the collection belongs to Crimea and should be there. And of course the Ukrainians are making loads out of it as well. I believe Zelensky went on X 
and said that uh, it will, of course, make its way back to the Crimea when the Ukrainian flag flies over that particular region again. So, uh, yeah. Everybody's making a nice bit of propaganda uh, out of it. Indeed. Uh, and um, the, these particular objects, like, are they worth a lot of money? I, I'd say overall, I mean, there's 400 objects, so they're they're worth 1.5 million in total. That's the value of them. So, so mm. not a huge amount. Yeah. There's quite a bit of gold and some of them are extremely old. Um, so, so it's not worth a huge amount, but it's the cultural value, oh, I no, think, more than anything. And yeah. the significance, of yeah, course, absolutely. as well. Uh, right, uh, Nepal, we're going to go to uh, next. And uh, the first same-sex marriage in Asia. Yeah, in, in South Asia uh, is, is what they're saying, is what they're saying in these reports. So the, the LGBTQ plus couple... Um, whose names are Maya Gurung, uh, she's a 38-year-old transgender woman, and Surendra Pandey, who's 27, they were given a legal certificate on Wednesday, all right? Now, this comes six years after they held a Hindu religious ceremony, uh, which obviously recognised their marriage, but the state didn't recognise their marriage. Um, so during that period, they obviously had lots of problems with, with legal and social difficulties, getting loans, getting a house mm-hmm. or whatever it might be because their union wasn't recognised under the law. Um, but uh, earlier this year, a court directed the government to establish a separate temporary register for um, these types of um, marriages until legislation was formulated. So they were put onto that register on Wednesday and now they're legally recognised. Ah, oh, right, I see. OK, and when when will actual legislation come into force. Then. That is a good question. It, at the, it is in train at the moment. It's a classic thing where a court kicks the, comes up with a solution and then kicks the legislation back to the, <laughs> yeah. the government, which is absolutely fair enough. Um, Nepal is pretty good in this area, hmm. comparatively. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it probably won't take that long, to be honest with you, but it, it remains to be seen. Yeah. Nonetheless, I imagine uh, it's not universally loved, the idea of same-sex marriage. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Uh, right, uh, Paragay, we're going to go to finally, and uh, this poor official uh, has been uh, forced to resign. What, what terrible thing did they do? Yeah, this is a man by the name of Arnaldo Chamorro. Um, he was the chief of staff for Paraguay's Ag- Agriculture Ministry, and uh, Wednesday he was forced to resign, and this was shortly after it was revealed that he signed a proclamation with representatives of the United States of Kailasa. Mm. Have you ever heard of the United States of Kailasa? I have heard of it, actually. Yes. Okay. Yes, right. Because uh, they have form in doing they this do kind have of form. thing. Yes. Yeah. So the United States of Kailasa is a bogus country uh, mm. that was basically set up by an Indian guru, a man by the name of Nithyananda, who's actually wanted on very serious charges in India, but nobody can locate him. Now, presumably he might be living on an island off Ecuador that he said he bought back in 2019 and has declared to be his country, this United States of Kailasa, uh, where you can get passports and all sorts of different things Mm. and and actually get onto the 14 rungs of of Hinduism, I think, as well. Okay. So it's it's, it's all very good. It's deal, very, very good, yeah. yeah. But you have to hand over quite a bit of money, uh, which is probably how he's keeping all of this thing going. Anyway, on the 16th of October, off the back of sending representatives from this United States of Kailasa to meet representatives in Paraguay, they put together a proclamation that was signed by this poor, unfortunate individual, right? And in that proclamation, Paraguay expressed a sincere wish Uh, for the government of Paraguay to consider, explore and actively seek the establishment of diplomatic relations with the United States of Kailasa and support 
the admission of it as a sovereign and independent state in various international organisations, including, among others, the United Nations. Yes. Now, you said they had form. <laughs> yeah. They've already been to the United Nations. Back in February, they turned up. This is again the United States of Kailasa. Mm. They turned up at um, two meetings in Geneva in February of, of this year and were admitted. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's extraordinary. The, the brass neck is one thing that's mm. extraordinary, but the fact that they're managing to to do these things yeah. and no one's questioning. Yeah. But I suppose it's not the first thing you ask, is this a real country? You just I suppose of, it'd be seen as some yeah. sort of an insult today or something. Yeah, to say, I've never heard of this country, so you pretend you have heard of them. That's how far you can push it. Though I don't know what benefit it is, particularly to this chat that, you know, he gets... Paraguayan yeah. officials to sign yeah, documents I, I, with them. Yeah, I don't know. That is that is a good point. I don't know. Maybe he just loves a good laugh. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. Maybe that's it. So, what should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, coming up. There's a few things coming up. Um, first of all, we'll have Malay, this chap who was um, the new president in uh, Argentina, uh, is going to be sworn in on Sunday. I believe there's. I can't find my notes now. Yeah. I believe there's um, elections coming up in Egypt on the uh, Sunday as well. Sorry. So, the, yeah, Egypt has presidential elections on the Sunday. Um, Argentina's new president, uh, Javier Malay, is going to be sworn in on the Sunday as well. And then on Wednesday, Time magazine are announcing their person of the year. So, okay. fair bit to look forward there. Sean. Okay. All good stuff. Jonathan, thanks, thanks a million sure. as ever. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.